Welcome back to another episode of Locked On Gators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Zach Goodall. Make sure to throw me a follow on Twitter at Zach underscore Goodall, as well as my co-host, Demetrius Harvey. You can find him at Demetrius82, and you can find the main handle for our show at Locked On Gators. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. So we are sorry that we weren't able to record immediately after what was the day Florida Gators football stood still. It it, it was a complicated day for me because right when all that news broke, so did my computer. I didn't have anything to type with, record my podcast with, unless I was going to do it over my phone. It just did not sound you know high enough quality to be able to post. So... At the end of the day, me and Demetrius were up until the middle of the night trying to figure out what we were going to do, and then we ended up deciding it was more important to sleep and get ready for what was going to be another busy day covering Florida football. I don't even really have segments prepared for you guys for this show. We're just going to need to dive right into every last little bit of what's been, I don't know, I mean, 24 to 30 hours unlike anything we've ever seen in Florida Gators football history. Yeah, Zach, it's been crazy. Um, welcome back, guys. Like Zach said, uh, his computer broke, and we just didn't feel like it would be proper for us to record it and have and give you guys just a poor quality recording. That's what it would have been. It's been an insane past 24 hours, and the Florida Gators football program obviously is now paused for the time being. Um, indefinitely, I guess, is what Scott Strickland said, but we'll get into that a little bit later. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be an interesting couple weeks. It's going to be an interesting month. It's going to be an interesting season. This is something that we kind of, everybody knew that was a possibility. So we'll see. Yeah, I think that's the thing that everyone's kind of gotten away from as of late is this was a reality that teams are going to have to face. This is something that we should have all seen coming, considering the fact that there wasn't a real bubble for college football. How could you do that, of course? But that is a totally different conversation but we should have seen this coming i mean we don't know why florida had such a huge outbreak of positives so far they're still doing the contact tracing they don't know if it definitely came from the texas a&m game although scott strickland said there's a good chance it could have there's also some symptoms that showed up the week before the kids didn't report so they're not exactly sure but at the end of the day whether it's florida whether it's an sec school whether it's a small school that found the funding to play football this year. It was always going to be put at risk by not having a bubble, not having a thing contained, and the idea of putting kids back in a school where their peers are going out to the bars on Friday nights, you know? Yeah, and, uh, you know, obviously let's make this clear. We're not medical experts, so it's not as if we know what the protocol should be. But it it does seem like, you know, there there comes a time where you have to figure out where did they go wrong? We've seen so many outbreaks. Was this simply in, inevitable? Like, did you? Was there no real way for them to get away from this? Scott Strickland said earlier today that there were 21 total players who tested positive, including 18 scholarship players and three walk-ons. That's a that's an outbreak. That's something serious. And two coaches to, too, at least. Two coaches as well, and you know that's. That's something where they have to figure this out. They have to find out the origin, first of all, because they can't repeat the same mistakes that they did before. 
Scott Strickland did say that there were multiple players who simply refused or, or just opted not to declare their symptoms, you know, and is that a part of the issues? Is that a part of the protocol issues that they have at Florida or even any SEC team in which the players are solely responsible for telling their symptoms? You know, I wake up with allergies all the time. Am I going to go and tell my coach, you know, I have some allergies? You know, maybe you're like, no, I, I just want to power through the day. I know I have allergies. I'll take some allergy medicine and head home. Little did they know that was a COVID symptom. Right. You know, how are these guys going to get away with or actually change how they go about reporting the illness or perceived illness? And I think that that's something that, that they're going to have to pay attention to even more so than what Strickland said about the traveling plans. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And that brings me to something I was thinking about earlier. And it, it's something that I regret not asking about when we had Scott Strickland on a press conference earlier today. But during the return to campus for Florida, student athletes were required to do a screening every day before they entered the facility. Whether it was the weight room, whether it was just any other training facilities, meetings with the team, stuff like that. They had to be screened. They had to get their temperature checked. They had to do a questionnaire about just their symptoms, where they've been, what they've been doing. I Maybe I'm forgetting something. Maybe I could be totally wrong. But I don't remember a time where UF specifically told us we are lifting that part of our process moving forward. We're not taking these tests. We're not doing uh, you know, temp checks every day asking for symptoms would seem like a huge miscalculation on their part if they did that. So I'm going to assume they didn't, in which case, you know, sure. Like these kids, maybe they did something stupid. Maybe they did go out and party or do something, or maybe they got it from going to the store and it was a total accident. And at the end of the day, you know, Scott Strickland did put a little bit of blame on the kids for not reporting their symptoms. And I get it because those are the kids that end up risking this stuff. But no matter what, when you're having these kids, specifically not workers, not professional football players, but college kids, being tasked with sustaining a multi-billion dollar industry that is college football and the SEC, like you're putting a lot of trust into exactly that, kids. It's, it's still the school's responsibility at the end of the day, in my opinion. Yeah, it, it really is. If you're... If you're a kid, you know, 18 to 21, most people classify them as kids, especially because the NCAA classifies them as amateurs. So they're not professional athletes. These guys aren't getting paid. And I understand that they have their scholarships, but that's for school. That's for them to go to class and, and get their degree at the end of the day. These guys aren't supposed to have the most or be the most responsible adults in the world. You know, think about when you guys were 18 to 21 year olds going to college. Where would you be right now during the coronavirus pandemic? Maybe you'd be out partying. We see that all the time. I saw an FSU Snapchat or maybe Instagram, whatever it was. I saw a huge party, a huge block party as if nothing was wrong. And I feel as though these kids are being held to a higher standard because they're football players. But really, you have to assume that some of this could happen. They could go out partying. Now, I'm not saying that any Gator players are out partying do anything like that. I'm just saying that these are the risks that can happen and you have to have some sort of boundaries or some sort of placeholders where you're not going to run into an issue where there's they're not going to be reporting symptoms. Perhaps you do have a team doctor come out and say, hey, you know, Joe Schmo, 
are you feeling anything today? Tell me anything, a headache, allergies, anything like that. And make sure that they understand the gravity of not reporting some of these symptoms. If you're not doing that, if you're not having the checks and balances, I'm not exactly sure how you can place the blame solely on them or how you can actually just make it as if there's much blame to be cast on them at all. I understand that it's not smart for them to report or to not report these symptoms, but put it all on them. It's just, it's just, it, I, it doesn't sit well with me. And, and, and I'm hoping that perhaps maybe they're going to change some sort of protocols. Yeah, I think they're going to need to. I mean, Florida's done a good job of containing COVID the first two waves around, but this time when it came without there being an influx of 50,000 or however many students are on campus, I'm sorry, 50,000 might be a, a wrong number, but it was definitely, you know, five digits worth of people coming back to campus at the fall semester for the second wave. This time they didn't have that. You could tell when they had, they said there were five cases going up. Uh, that was a lot. That was pretty quickly. You could tell that this was going to be something different. So they're certainly going to have to look into those protocols at this point. When we come back from these short messages, we're going to be talking a little bit more about this impact of Florida's big COVID outbreak within their football program, what this could mean for the team moving forward. All right, guys, it's time to get real. I'm sick and tired of going to the storefronts, looking for a car part, and I can't find it. I don't care how many different cars there are in America right now. And no, I don't want to wait 10 business days to, for you to find my part either. I'm over it. That's why I've started to go on rockauto.com. I don't even have to leave my place. I can just log on, find my part, and get it. On top of having to wait forever at a store, they upcharge you upwards to 30, 50, maybe 100% more than rockauto.com. That's ridiculous. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Make sure to write in Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. RockAuto.com. Make your life easier. Make the storefront's life harder. Go get your stuff. RockAuto.com. So one of the biggest things that comes of this, obviously, is Florida is no longer going to be hosting LSU this upcoming Saturday at 4 o'clock in the swamp. and Not going to be in front of 90,000 people, that's for sure. Sorry to let you down, Dan Mullen. Not going to be hosting any fans uh, because you can't have a game. But, I mean, Demetrius, in hindsight, just the optics of his comments are ridiculous, right? Horrible. Horrible. No, they're, they're, they're completely... I think he realized that today when he gave his, um, you know, apology, whatever you want to call it, where he said that he was sorry for anybody that he offended about saying that he, they, he wants to pack the swamp. And then Scott Strickland, you know, he... He said, basically, you know, Dan needs to stick to calling plays. I mean, he he said it. He said that him and, and, and another doctor joked about, you know, I didn't know that Dan was a um, was a medical guy. You know, it, it it's it's interesting to see how <laughs> from where from where he went from Saturday saying pack the swamp, pack the swamp. Monday doubling down. And actually, at this point, we've already learned that they had already known about some positive tests. So to double down at that point is just even the worse. Optics are the, the optics are terrible, and 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 he he knows that, and I'm sure we won't hear Dan talk about the coronavirus very much ever again, um, as he sh probably shouldn't as a coach and not a 
medical professional. If we want to get any medical professional advice or if we want to talk to a medical prof professional, I'm sure the Florida or, or the university will make them available or however we do it, but we're not going to be hearing much about the coronavirus or, you know, any sort of protocols from Dan Bowen anymore as we shouldn't. You know, yeah, Zach, this is going to be crazy because they're not playing LSU this week. And, you know, they're playing them on December 12th, I guess. Um, that's something that I actually want to get into if, if you're if you're for that. It, it seems as though, tentatively, this seems like an okay plan because the SEC put this in place specifically for this reason. You know, if a game has to be postponed, if it has to be delayed or whatever, they're going to have it on December 12th. But I came up with a different plan, you know, the day when it wasn't really quite sure whether or not they're going to actually cancel. You know, the, the Gators have their bye week on October 31st. The Tigers, the LSU Tigers have their bye week on November 7th. And the Auburn Tigers have their bye week on November 7th. Now, I'd propose that Auburn and LSU, who are set to play on October 31st, could move the LSU and Florida game to that date and then move the Auburn bye week to the 31st, and then LSU could play Auburn on November 7th. Now, the only reason I'm saying this is because that seems as though it's an ideal path forward, and then you can save that December 12th game for another date that wouldn't be able to make this matchup perfect. I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that, Zach? I mean, I think it's a good idea. I think my general thoughts on the entire situation is the SEC gave itself no wiggle room. They've got the one week. That's it. It's it's kind of like the NFL trying to fit everything into the schedule to be online with the Super Bowl. Like instead of pushing themselves a little bit back, further a little bit back, and give themselves a couple extra weeks of buffer in case they need it. Because I don't see the SEC or college football wanting to try wanting to get off schedule towards getting towards the um, college football playoff. You know what I mean? Like. They fought so hard to get to that point to have all these different conferences battling for a playoff spot. If the SEC falls behind because all their programs fell behind with COVID protocols and what they were doing, sucks to be you. It just means more to make the 2020-2021 college football playoff. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it seems as though they're not really worried about, oh, we, we have to we have to make sure that everybody is, is is okay. We're not like we're going to delay it as much as we can. They're just trying to get to the college football playoffs, and they're not trying to delay that at all. Do you, if you think that the SEC or the anything that the, the NCAA is going to want to play the college football player in February because they've had so many postponements? You're wrong. They'd rather play. I I would guess they would be rad. They would rather just have some SEC teams play maybe eight games if they have to and say all right well we'll just do it by by win percentage because that's something that the nfl has even floated doing it by win percentage if, if the tennessee titans who have had that covid outbreak i don't know if you guys have paid too much attention to the nfl but they had their covid outbreak and and there was some questioning you know whether or not they're going to be able to play now obviously they played on tuesday but if they couldn't play that game and it was canceled and they couldn't put it back they were going to maybe use the winning percentage on who determines who goes to the playoffs or, or not. So at the end of the day, that's what they're worried about. They're worried about the money. And I'm, I'm comfortable saying that because I think that it's obvious. Uh, I mean, that's it, why they're playing football right now in the middle of a pandemic. Right. While these and, kids and, aren't and, getting paid. That's Right. And, 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 and not to, not to poo poo the, 
the the entire season say you know no they shouldn't have brought back sports we we wish they it's not about that it's just about their health and safety and clearly like these some of these protocols if you're going to have 21 members of your football team have these covid like symptoms or test positive for covid it doesn't make sense it really doesn't you, scott circon did say that they were all mild symptoms and we know that from what they say it takes a little bit of time maybe it progresses maybe it won't you know mild symptoms and, and that's good but what happens when you do get that one that's not mild what are you doing then and if you're not going to have the protocol set in place to protect these players perfectly then you know maybe they shouldn't have played yeah i think you're absolutely right and scott strickland mentioned today that they are looking into different changes with the protocols uh they're going to look into different ones with how they travel uh, being worried that potentially this could have come from Texas A&M. However, an issue I have is about the protocols, really, that they've got going on at home. Because if you look, he says that guys started showing symptoms on Sunday. They talked to the trainer on Sunday night. He figured that out. They canceled the Monday morning meeting that they were supposed to have with the team. They practiced on Monday. Strickland didn't necessarily say it. He kind of danced around it throughout it, but he didn't need to say anything. We had a post press we had a post practice press conference with uh, Brian Johnson and a couple of players right after. Like, we know practice happened. They got together. Whether they had a meeting or not, uh, Strickland said they might. They were potentially looking towards having a meeting that day. He never clarified if they did. We don't know. He says that they don't get together inside uh, very much, or if at all, really. So. He isn't too worried about things happening within the building. But at the end of the day, they're still having practice. They're tackling each other. They're sweating on each other. They're standing next to each other. And at this point, you've had people at bare minimum show a lot of symptoms. You've had several people do it. You've had enough to where it's a concern with the team doctor. Maybe at this point, if they've gotten their test back from Sunday, you've got positive results. This is... That's a protocol that I want to know is why were they together at any point after Sunday? And, and that's exactly what I want to know too. So you cancel the Monday meeting and then you start to get results back and then you quarantine people. And then you just say all systems go. We're just going to practice outside as if it can't be spread, you know, by person to person contact only if it's not in an, or in an filtrated indoor facility i mean and you had had no tests no round of tests since you had all been on an airplane together right until this all started it's not like that this was like a thursday rounds of tests outbreak after negatives on sunday and and tuesday you've all been together there is no bumper here people are going to get it if so if one person has it at this point right And, and and scott and scott made sure to hammer home the point that he feels and he's not absolutely a hundred percent sure, but he says it's very, very, very unlikely that players or I think he said specifically that there have been rare or to no cases of contracting the coronavirus in an outdoor environment. But you don't know that. You don't know that for sure. And if you're quarantined players because they have it or they've been in close contact with the player who has it, then why are you even putting them together ever? They shouldn't ever have even been on the same playing field. They shouldn't have never been at practice. If, 
we didn't know that that this was happening during our post-practice press conference. Obviously, we wouldn't have asked Brian Johnson about this or anything, but, but it's just interesting how, how much seemed to happen in such a short amount of time for them to go through this and not actually take the right precautions or take extra precautions, even if this isn't outlined clearly in the handbook of the coronavirus, however they do it. This should have been something that's very unique, very specific, and maybe something could have changed. Yeah, you'd hope so, man. Anyway, though, there's uh, there's not really going to be much going on with Florida football here for the next week or so at least. It won't be an LSU game. I don't love the odds of a Missouri game next week, but that is still up in the air. I guess we're going to see go day by day here. But maybe there could be some positive news with Florida football coming, and that being via recruiting. We've got some non-COVID storylines to talk about after this break. You know, I've been trying to get back in the gym recently, but I just couldn't figure out what to do after. Sure, I can just make a protein shake, but that's annoying. It doesn't always taste good and it can be time consuming. That's why I've started to eat Build Bars right after my workout. Not only do they taste amazing, but they are incredibly healthy with 19 grams of protein in the peanut butter flavor. I can't go wrong. Now I'm not a keto guy myself, but it's a low calorie, low sugar profile that makes it easier for any of you out there that are. Right now, you can go to buildbar.com and use the promo code locked on and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use the promo code locked on for 20% off at buildbar.com. All right. We won't keep this one too long for you, but I feel like we haven't talked about recruiting much on our site, on this podcast in a while, except for Demarcus Bowman last week, if you consider that really recruiting. The bottom line being that. 2021 defensive lineman Mason Smith out of Louisiana. He's a consensus five-star. And uh, defensive lineman Toonmees Adelaide out of Tompkins High School in Houston. He was formerly at IMG, but he ended up opting out of the 2021 season. Smith ended up putting the Gators in his top five, while Adelaide had the Gators in his top three schools. We aren't sure when these guys are going to commit. We do know the Gators have been adding a ton to their defensive line uh, over the last recruiting class, and this one, they want to keep adding more. Both of these guys would be welcome. I think that one is a lot more likely than the other. But Demetrius, what are your thoughts on this little bit of surge on the defensive line right now? Yeah, they need it very badly. <laughs> to put it to put it lightly, this Florida defensive line, it, it, it needs help, and a lot of that is because there hasn't been an influx of young talent. These guys have already been here for a couple of years. A lot of them are leaving. A lot of them have left from last year, and they need the guys. They need this these players to come in and actually commit. Mason Smith, he he's a guy. I'm not sure their chances on getting him, but six foot four, three hundred and twenty pounds, he's a monster. Mm-hmm. He could be one of the best defensive tackle prospects to come out. You know, in 2021. Yeah. He's a, he, he's a good two-gapper, that's for sure. Yeah, he, he's a guy that could come in and control the trenches really early in his career. He's got good length, you know, big hands. It, 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 it's interesting to see, you know, the dominance of these guys. Like the, the, the new age defensive tackles or defensive linemen have always amazed me because even though he's six foot four, 320 pounds, you know, back in the day, that would be like, all right, he's, you know, he's, he's just a, a big guy. You know, he'll, he'll just fill the middle. But these guys are really athletic these days, and, it's it it's always it's always phenomenal to see and and but he's a guy that I would I would definitely key in on if I was David Turner if I was you know Dan Mullen if if he wants to get in on the defensive line recruiting for whatever reason it's just 
it would just be a great addition and and uh and and we'll see where it goes you know he had alabama georgia and lsu and and miami even listed there so you know we'll, we'll see what happens the issue will be with him is whether or not they're already confident in uh, in their interior for the class. Having Desmond Watson as their nose could be what ends up taking Smith away. Unless they view Smith as a three technique. I, I personally would play him at nose, but I could see the appeal there because, as you mentioned, for being such a big guy, he is a guy that does move pretty well. I, he could do either or. The more the merrier, especially, if they can fit all the defensive line talent to within the class. But a guy that... They've known for a while in Tunis Adelaide. He, he's primarily a strong side end. He could also play three technique if they beefed him up a little bit more. He's a guy that could go in and out. Someone that you know was linked to Florida for some time throughout his recruitment process. He ended up committing to Ohio State. But once he decommitted from there, the eyes were immediately on Florida. It's Florida, Alabama, and Texas A&M writing it out. Local Texas A&M for him, so... No matter what, he's going to end up in the SEC, and he's someone that I believe is truly a priority for Florida at this point. Yeah, he he really should be, and 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 like you said, when he decommitted from Ohio State, you could see the excitement not only on Florida Gators fans, but but just just in general on the even the 2020 recruiting class and the 2021 recruiting class that was already there. You know, a guy named uh, Kamara Wilcoxon, who's now obviously a part of the Gators. Rosser now he was a part of the 2021 recruiting class he's been on him forever every single day hitting him up saying you know come on down join us join us so he's a guy that you know like you said he'll he'll play more defensive end early probably almost like a Zach Carter role you know defensive end go inside sometimes if he beefs up a little bit maybe he'll, he'll just stay inside but you need to have these guys who can set the edge they can pass rush they can make make plays and as many bodies as they can get, that's what they need. And I guess we'll see what happens. The three teams, Alabama, Texas A&M, and then, and then Florida, to me, I feel like it's between. It's going to be between Florida and, and Alabama. I mean, th- these are the two teams that are the premier, I guess you would say, top SEC teams, although, you know, obviously Texas A&M did beat Florida last week. But – I feel as though they've been on him for so long, and and in my opinion, it would appear that maybe a little bit of influence and led to his decision to decommit from Ohio State in the first place. Yeah, the reason why I think Texas A and M so comfortable is being his ties there, being a local spot. But at the end of the day, you know, Florida has been on him for quite some time, and Alabama is Alabama. Al- Alabama is Alabama, so it's certainly going to be an interesting one to watch through the end. I think that'll just about do it for today's episode of Lockdown Gators. Make sure to follow us. You can find me at, at Zach underscore Goodall. Demetrius, you can find at Demetrius82. You can find us at Lockdown Gators and at SI underscore All Gators if you want to find all of our content. We do a lot of writing. We do a lot of audio. We're back on the airwaves after a day or so off. I've got a new computer. It's quick. It's nice. It's great for potty, uh, podcasting, and we're excited to keep bringing you more. So. Make sure to subscribe, leave a rating and review, and we'll catch up with you guys next time.